Well, welcome to the Side Talks podcast. We, uh, Corey's not here today. That's right. I've got Jeremy Burgess in the studio with me. Hello, everyone. And uh, so this is going to be a little bit of a, a shakeup, so to speak. I don't even know what kind of music we should have here, Brad. I actually was thinking on my way over. I have a question for you. Ooh, okay. let's, and, let's hear it. And Jeremy, you can answer this too. How do you, what do y'all think about Def Leppard? How do you feel about Def Leppard? You know, I I have an affinity for hair metal. Okay. And I think Def Leppard's pretty cool. I think if the only song you've ever heard from them is "Pour Some Sugar yeah. on Me," you would think that they're pretty lame. Yeah. But I think. Love Bites is pretty great. Mm-hmm. I think Photograph is pretty great. I'm a Rocket. big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan yeah. of Photograph. What? Yeah, I was pretty into it back in the day. I feel like they're one of those bands people don't think about that much. I'm, I'm, I mean, they're probably laughing at me if they'd heard that because they're counting money. But, you mm-hmm. know, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, they're touring right now. Yeah, I guess they do. I just have never I like met they never like, ta- a Def Leppard They never fan. stopped touring. Yeah, probably not. Well, I, I would say I'm a fan. I've seen them before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were they good? They were good. You know? I mean, it's ultimate badass to be like, yeah, I got in this shit car wreck and, and like I just figured out a way to drum without a fucking arm. Mm-hmm. I know. That's insane. It's just awesome. Yeah. You know? I guess the other thing is like I say that and then when your goal is just truckloads of money, it's like all of a sudden you start using those feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to figure out a way to keep making right. that money. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Anyway, we're now the official Def Leppard podcast. We're going to. Yeah. Excellent. Man, I. Love them, but I wouldn't know where to begin. So anyway, uh, yeah, Side Talks. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival. This is Jeremy Burgess. You are uh, a, f- a film aficionado. A what's your official title? Do I do I have a title with with Sidewalk well, now? Do I am well, I yeah, given a can, title? We can we can certainly give you like a chief of. We pretty much would give a title chief of of fun to anyone. I can just have Corey's title. He's not here. He okay. won't know. I like it. But you work elsewhere, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a copywriter by day, and yeah. I, I'm a screenwriter on weekends and nights and that sort go. of thing. Those are official titles. And I, I am a member of the uh, the reading committee for Side Right, the oh. uh, screenplay Cool. So you actually so. do have a title then. Yeah, yeah. a volunteer title. All the same, man. Yeah. We're all volunteers, right? Ultimately. Yeah, good point. Ultimately. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about some movies. Let's do it. So this is the second, like intro part do, part if you will. Um, so, you know, we found out what you did. We got a little bit of background on you, but Ooh. yeah, I know we're and we've, of course, Feels like a job interview. We've of course run all the reports. Um, but you know, Corey's not here today. He's out sick. All right. So, um, you, you've known Corey for a bit though. Yeah. I've known Corey for a while. Yeah. I just kind of ran into him through film things and, and decided that, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to be this guy's friend. So. Yeah. He didn't really have a It's an interesting take on Corey. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So what, you know, just tell us a little bit, Jeremy, what's, what's one of your favorite, what's one of your favorite films? Like, where do you, you know, when people ask you that very annoying question, which actually mm-hmm. isn't, people are like, oh, I hate that question. I don't necessarily hate it. I mean, it seems like a, seems like a normal question to ask somebody. I, I, I you know, teach film and I make my students answer this question. They don't like it either. But if you had to, you know, if you had to, if you're, at, you know, down the barrel of a gun, what would you say? So... A number one would be Apocalypse Now, which is okay. not the the strangest answer. You'll you'll it's probably not the hear. most upbeat answer either, though. <laughs> right, right. Well, it does have a little bit of an anecdote to it. I first saw it my senior year of high school. Our AP English teacher, we read Heart of Darkness. Yeah. And obviously, she wasn't allowed to show that film in school. So every year, she would have a Christmas party and oh, invite the wow. students over to watch Apocalypse Now. 
Damn. And that was the first time I saw it. And it just kind of... Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Here's Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's Nam. <laughs> um, I mean, for some people that... Anyway. Um, yeah, so what about recently? You mentioned that you were at the New Beverly in LA not that long ago. Ooh, Quentin yes. Tarantino's little home spot. I mean, <laughs> His movie I, palace. It's so... It's wonderful in one sense and so annoying in another. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just like... Of course. What would you do if you had all the money in the world and all the resources in the world? You I would, would do it too. Buy yeah. a movie theater, yeah. but it, the fact that it's Quentin who did it, you just—I uh, mean, he—I'm sure he makes himself sick. Anyway, what is it you saw recently? Yeah, so I visited Los Angeles basically for the first time recently, and uh, my buddy Bradford and I, Bradford, yeah, yeah, friend yeah. of the program, we went to see a four-film marathon at the New Bev called SoCal Shockers, cool. and this was one of those things where you just buy a ticket, show up, and then you don't know what you're watching until the opening credits roll. And this is well attended, I assume. Oh, sold out within like two, three hours. Yeah, yeah. We were lucky to even get tickets. I mean, that's very frankly. cool. And Birmingham, I, do you hear this Birmingham? <laughs> this shit sells out in LA. Yes. Come on. Anyway, so So I was actually like they asked if anyone in the crowd had never been to the New Bev before and I was the only one that raised my hand. So yeah, they yeah. they kind of like cheered for me, which was That's cool. such a unique thing. You know, like welcome stranger to our movie uh palace, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. What were the fo- so and th- they were secret? Yes, these yes. were sort of not announced in advance. So you're just trusting the programming. I know that's tough to do with the new Beverly, but trusting the programming. So what were the four titles? Because I'm going to jot them down. Actually, yes. So the theme here was thrillers and horror movies that were shot on location in yeah. Los Angeles and set in Los Angeles. Yeah. First one was from '88. It is called Spellbinder. Mm-hmm. You familiar with this one? I'm not, but Bradford was kind enough to send me a little Ooh. image of it. Yes. He was like, here's our first one up. So I have not seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's it's really good. I was surprised that I had never heard of it. It's, you know, a late 80s spooky LA yeah. witch story. Kelly Preston's in it. That sounds very cool. I, yeah. It's not been on my radar either. So that's always a fun one when, when programmers throw this stuff at you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after that was one called Retribution. Again, had never heard of this. Uh, this is this is basically like a demon possession movie okay. where a guy's going around killing people, doesn't know what's happening. Uh, you know, he has a there's a psychologist character that's kind of helping him of figure it out. There is, yeah. But it is it is off the walls. Yeah, Lots yeah. of just very late '80s schlock to it. I that think it's very cool too. I think it got a. Uh, Blu-ray recently with nice. Severin or someone like that. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. And then we had the Toolbox Murders, the original Toolbox Murders. Nice, nice. Which a few people clapped when that title came on, and then basically it went silent because that's not really a fun movie. Right. It's, it's a. It's pretty grisly. <laughs> Yay, title. Uh, the other th- right. The other three people were really into it, laughing and hollering and stuff. And that one, we all just kind of sat and yeah. watched this grisly exploitation movie. Yeah. Uh, but then they ended the night with what they said was the most rare of the four, a film called Midnight Kiss. Okay. Yeah, Again, I do, I'm not familiar with this. Had no idea what this was. I don't think. Is this the 80s as well? This is 93. 93. And nice. No one in this film it would be well known. In fact, many of the leads, this was the only film they ever did. Yeah. And it's basically this blonde, Swedish-looking vampire character dressing up as different professions, like a priest, a milkman, etc., yeah. and then going around and finding his victims. And there's a, hmm. a cop. Uh, a female cop who's getting, you know, 
pressure from the the office to yeah. you know stay in line that sort of thing and so she has the the two-way street of walking that and hunting down a vampire oh damn okay. and it's it felt like a dtv movie right. but like kind of in a fun way yeah yeah and the print looked pristine because they probably yes? yeah, these are all playing on 35 they probably millimeter. played this one one weekend and then stuck it on a shelf right. and it hasn't like it probably had dust on it before yeah, yeah. they before they reeled it out on uh on the marathon Right. Well, how, and how do they handle this? So they go, you just, is there like an intermission between the films or are they just really back to backing these? Like what's, what's yeah, the deal? There's, there's about 15, 20 minutes in between. Yeah. Um, if, if you've been to the new Bev, you know that the bathrooms are pretty small. Right. Uh, it's not a very big theater in general. Yep. And so like that was enough time for everybody to, to have a quick bathroom break, get some snacks, that sort yeah. of thing. And then they'd play a few trailers before the film anyway. So you would, you would be able to have time. Gotcha. Well, that's a pretty cool lineup, yeah. to me, in my opinion, and I, I nice, nice of the, these Californians to trust this programming <laughs> and and go lock themselves in for this. I would exactly. assume most people stayed for the whole damn thing. Yeah, I don't think anyone left at any point. Yeah, yeah and, that's commitment. Yeah, four p.m. to midnight, basically. I mean, it's no bad movie marathon, <laughs> you know, where Listen, you're seeing that- triple quadruple the uh the christmas themed bad movie marathon is kind of the fire that i was forged in yep. and so just f- four movies back to back that's nothing, nothing. Yeah. that's that's an, that's not and i enjoyed an them this time so. yeah, exactly well <laughs> enjoy is an interesting word um i feel right. like some things in bad movie marathon are oh, uh, maybe enjoyable is the wrong word but maybe not i don't know courtney who's who will kick some of these Bad oh, yeah. movie marathon moments as seems to really be up dancing and loving things. So some people are enjoying. You know, there there were a few the year I did it that I genuinely enjoy, like Ernest Saves Christmas yeah. or Oof. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, it's that was enjoyable one of your pit. That was yeah, one of your like you said that one's pretty good in your book, you know, right? It's pretty. It's it's really really enjoyable and fun in this way, but also it's got this little nostalgic kick to it yeah. that, I, that I think has a, you know, warms my heart. So for that reason it is, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's undeniably bad. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> sure, just that finding sure. that balance. The craft, like you could say the craft of yeah. it is poor, but yeah. the experience of watching it, you could say, Oh, I had a good time. Yeah. I had a fun time with that. And you know, when I was in film school, I went down this rabbit hole, of, like black exploitation and just exploitation in general. Yeah. And I got really, really into it. And so one of my final projects I did in film school was this sort of 25-minute intentionally bad film, which I actually Interesting. can't stand intentionally bad films. But I really wanted to do this thing that was, I'm that with was you there. intentionally bad, but also a homage at the same time. And, and also was sort of an attempt to be a slap in the face at sort of, uh, of the level at which video could – a lot of kids were doing these really serious indie films on mm-hmm. really, really kind of – this is the – 90s right so this really low-end video yeah um even though these were expensive cameras it was still what we would call today very low-end video sure. so i was like this isn't really the format for this it's the format for doc but it's not the format for narrative and right. i want to do a narrative and so i i had done one that was a f- that was sort of in the style of a fake documentary before that became just so overblown uh, and then i was early like, mockumentary yeah it was a bit of a mockumentary actually it was it was more like a to die for i was very inspired by to die for oh excellent and so, anyway, I did that, but then I did this. I did this twenty-four minuteer kind of deal that was intentionally bad, even though I uh, <laughs> maybe apologizing for that now. But point is, is that we watched it the other day with some friends that were in town for sidewalk. Oh, nice! And when the credits hit, I was laughing 
my ass off at myself because I yeah. just want y'all to know that I engaged three fucking gaffers <laughs> to make this. Like there was an, the credits were, I was like screaming at myself like you wasted three people's time who are probably now professional gaffers in the industry. Well, then it's not you know? a waste of time. There you go. Oh man, I, I mean the crew. <laughs> we were we were like first of all the cast was like twenty six deep. Because it was like in college where everybody's oh, yeah. like, I'm being your film, dude. I'm being your film. So it was like 26 deep. It, it was, it's an insane level of credits for something that is so shitty and like intentionally shit. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's not going to be playing at the New Beverly anytime soon. <laughs> but I appreciate this lineup. This is amazing. Of um, course. So yeah, thanks for telling us about that. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's. Uh, that would kind of double up for what you've been watching too, by the way. Even though yeah. we're not really doing that segment, and by the way, we're not arguing either. It's a sort of introduction, a, a peaceful part podcast two. this time. Yeah, slash the peaceful podcast <laughs> announcement. And uh, but yeah, thanks for bringing this. Of course. What up? So, Jeremy, you've got this thing you do. Is it a blog? Is that the right way to say it? I call it a newsletter. Okay. It, it cool serves. I mean it. It lives on a website, yeah. and so you could go visit it and read it like a blog, but. Yeah. If you sign up for it, it, it just shows up in your inbox and gotcha. saves you the time. And so you have subscribers to 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 the to your newsletter, yeah. And um, and it's called Dust on the VCR. Correct. Correct. And so I thought we would do a podcasty kind of version Ooh. of your newsletter, or at least one of your one or two of your newsletters today. And sure. so would you mind telling me a little bit about? This sort of uh, a selected edition of Dust on the VCR. Sure. So the the theme of the newsletter, real quick, is basically I wanted to challenge myself to watch more older films, things that, and, and be less concerned with what's new, what's yeah. getting buzz, what people are talking about on film Twitter. And so I limited it to what I call the VHS era, which sure. is anything from two thousand five and prior. Yeah, yeah that yeah. may have been on a, a videotape at one point. That's fair. Yeah, and so I do this weekly, and sometimes, sometimes I have interesting ideas that I'm like, I would love to engage someone on a conversation about this, and sometimes I'm just kind of trying to pull a rabbit out of my hat and, sure. and think of something the night before. And so I watched Jurassic Park earlier this summer, and it got me to thinking about product placement. Yeah, which is something you know I worked in advertising for almost a decade. Yeah, and so I'm fascinated by things like this. And especially when I see it in movies, I, you know, kind of point at the screen DiCaprio style, like, oh, look, product placement. Right. And I think that the Barbasol can from Jurassic Park is one of the most interesting examples. Because Definitely one of the most fun, for sure. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is. For one thing, it has become that brand's identity. Like, every time a new Jurassic movie comes out, they re-up that partnership. And you've got dinosaurs on the cans of shaving cream. Yeah. Like, different dinos for different types of shaving cream <laughs> like it is it is they've basically just run with that for yeah. almost 30 years now and what i think is interesting is that it's not like you see the hero slathering on barbasol and shaving his face it's the villain plot right it is wayne knight and the the guys that are trying to steal dino embryos through barbasol cans Fake right. Barbasol cans. And you would think like, oh, maybe that's bad PR for our brand. But no, they were like, sure, we don't care. We're going to roll the dice. Put us in your yeah. movie. Give them, give them credit where credit's due here, yeah. And it, it worked. You know, like, no, I don't think anyone has a negative association with Barbasol. But I'm like, hmm, that is definitely right. like on the villain's desk. First of all, why is he shaving his face at work? Why was that not a red flag? 
If you saw if you saw Barbasol on one of your coworkers' desks, I'd be like, that's weird. Well, except you know, sidewalk offices are a special thing. (laughs) Is anyone living at the sidewalk office uh, that you know of? That's a really good question. I'm not sure, but there's definitely shit on desks that you wouldn't normally see. But I I get where you're going with this, and and it is the era too of when like M&Ms didn't want to. You know, they didn't want to kick M&M's over to E.T. because right. they were worried about an alien. I mean, it's, right. everybody's being kind of brand protective. There, there wasn't a whole lot of sort of good humor going on. So it mm-hmm. is an interesting aspect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that it is uh, it has kind of grown nicely with age. And interestingly enough, whenever I do these newsletters, I often do a little bit of research and sure. find out stuff that I didn't know. One of those examples would be that it's not even Barbasol in the book. It was Gillette. Nice. And so... You think Gillette said no, or did you... you, I I, I said, like, I wonder what happened there. I wonder if Gillette said, no, it's not enough money, or no, you can't use us as the villain plot. Uh, We didn't like it that we were in your book in the first place. Right. Maybe Barbasol just outbid them. <laughs> like I want to, I want to be a yeah. fly on the wall of those conversations where there's shaving cream CEOs arguing over who gets to be in the big Dino movie. There's some producer far down the credits somewhere who knows the answer to this. Oh yeah, someone, someone out there. If you have any tips on the the Barbasol uh, product placement, let us know. Please podcast at sidewalkfest.com and we'll pass it. We'll kick it over to Jeremy beautiful yeah well that sounds like a really fun one did you in that particular uh, newsletter did you hit on any other uh product favorite product placements or was it really just focused on on barbersaw i i did a few footnotes uh one that i one that has stuck with me from a newer film i watched a 2018 thai crocodile film called the pool have you heard of this i have not so this uh i think it was on shutter and you know, anything with, with crocodiles or alligators, I'm pretty much there. Gotcha. I'm, I'm in. Gotcha. And that's a and long list, actually. That's a long it, list. Pretty long. And a lot of good ones recently. So this one, you know, in a foreign film, like the opening credits, you might see like a minute and a half of logos. Just sure. like different film commissions, grants, yeah, companies. Yeah. And so they were going through the scroll of these companies and one of them was pizza hut and i said wait a second what is Mm -hmm, pizza mm -hmm. hut like i've never seen a brand like in the opening scroll like that and sure enough when the hero gets trapped in an empty pool with a crocodile one of the first would-be rescuers is a pizza delivery man and i said oh there it is they clearly signed some sort of deal with pizza hut and now the movie not only features the product but you know, got production support from Pizza Hut, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, and Pizza Hut does love to, they love to kick a little money around. Well, I'm Kick gonna, us some money, please, I Pizza really Hut. wish they would, or just some pizza. Um, <laughs> so here's one I'm going to send you on your way with, because okay. I, I mentioned this on the live podcast, and uh, but I just have to mention it again, because it, it deserves some research that I haven't done. Uh, very recently in this really, really terrible film that I've seen, Mac and Rita, are Never you from, heard of it. Are you from, familiar? You're not familiar at all with this? I'm not. Um, and so it has, um, oh my gosh, I, why am I all, I'm consi- I forgot her name the la- when we did the live podcast too, but Diane Keaton. There ah. we go. So it has Diane Keaton and it's really, really fucking terrible. I went <laughs> and enjoyed my mom in the movie theater to see it a, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks before Sidewalk, because it was one of those... I like to see stuff with my mom occasionally, sure. and and she's a, like anything Diane Keaton's in, which is by the way what we were what I was booking on for this film, and I think what the producers <laughs> were booking on the EPs on right. this were just like and you know everybody over the age of sixty five, if it's got Diane Keaton in it and you're female, you're going to go see it. So anyway, or p- potentially gay, 
at all all ages gay. So anyway, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, there's a scene right dead center of this thing where they go to California Pizza Kitchen, and I don't want to be Ooh. too repetitive here because I talked about it in detail. But there, <laughs> it, it is an extended like, is it is it uncool to be here? Is it uncool? To- oh, they talk about it. Yes. And it's it, it's hmm. also really flags the fact that that California Pizza Kitchen kind of knows that they're uncool, and oh. are trying and are trying to get this buy. They're trying to be self aware. Yes, and get this buy in <laughs> of like it's Sentient actually brand. It's actually kind of cool to like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very it's it's very strange in this way, and there are even shots of food. So uh, some of the some of the footage there looks like you know was shot like, by an like ad. a commercial yeah, yeah, shot. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Um, and there's a, a mention of the of the barbecue pizza, the whole thing. Ah. So. I mean, clearly the answer here is that they kicked a bunch of money mm-hmm. Mac and Rita's way, but probably looked at the script too and said, yeah. "Like, hey, maybe change this line." Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, anyway, I'm sending that your way. Just, <laughs> just a little bit of thought to maybe, you know, if you're looking into product placement, that might be Excellent. an interesting story. But yeah, thanks for. We'll talk more about uh, some other episodes, so to speak, of your newsletter Great. or editions, probably the better term here, in a future episode. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast, and thanks to Jeremy Burgess for joining us today. Happy to be here. We are your own personal cinematic. This one you're going to know, and everybody's sick of hearing, so I'm about to, you know, just imagine a wah-wah. Chris Pine and Harry Styles. I was hoping you'd you'd bring that one out. What? I mean, I had to. I had to. How do you feel about Harry as a performer, as an artist? I'm a big big Harry Styles fan. Really? Okay. Yeah, I like Harry Styles a lot, and I share his love of Gucci. (laughs) I wish I had his budget for the wardrobe of Gucci that he wears, or at least is, you know, given. Um, But no, I like him. I mean, I think he's a talented guy. I think he's, you know, a a great performer and wonderful fashion sense. I have a Harry take that is getting colder by the day. Let's hear it. Which is that I, when the original casting list was published for the Elvis movie, which I'm with you, did not like very much. I thought Harry was the one name that jumped out. Like, I want to see him play Elvis. I would rather have a singer who can sort of act than an actor who can sort of sing. Yeah. In something like that. Because it's Elvis. Like, I, I, I just want the spectacle of a singer, of a performer. I thought Austin Butler was maybe the only really good thing of the Elvis movie. And it turns out, from what we're hearing in Venice, that maybe Harry's not a great actor. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's... I haven't seen Don't Worry Darling, so I can't sure. really weigh in on that one. He seems to be just fine and everything else. And I think the nature of being in a yeah. boy band and all of it is a bit of performing, so to speak. But oh, I'll, yeah. I'll save my critique till I've seen the film. Fair. I don't, you know, most thing, most of the things he's in that I've seen, it hasn't been big performance-y kind of stuff. It's um, Right, like Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk, he which is, just shows has up like and a handful of lines dies. and he just looks really cool. Yeah. You know, and, that, and looks looks era. I think that's the other thing is he has, oh, a, yeah. he has a particular sort I didn't of mind aesthetic. him at all in that one. But we'll see. You know, I... You know, give give the guy a break, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Give Olivia Wilde sure. a break. You know, I mean, this is the thing. He, y'all, is it... I don't know who said what or who did what. It really doesn't fucking matter. But does anybody <laughs> surprise that Shia's kind of a dick? Like, you know, do you really... Are we really redeeming Shia right now? And, like, I want to... Sh- let Shia be Shia, too. But that probably mm-hmm. wasn't the best place for him. I feel like he gets canceled on an annual basis. Right. Like, a new Shia thing pops up, and then we kind of forget, and we're like, maybe he's okay. And then, yeah. then the next year's cancellation happens. And 
he's he's a wild dude. So, I don't know what yeah. to think of him. I'm, I mean, whatever. You know, I, I think everybody's just kind of tired of hearing about this one, but sure. we'll see well, what the... I'll be Chris Pine then. Okay. I don't mind it. I mean, Harry cool. Styles has got the really good hair and he's oh, a handsome gentleman. So I'll, I'm not going to argue that. Chris, Chris Pine, Pine kind of scares me a little bit. Does he really? I don't like his face. And that's a hot take. Okay. okay that's okay. A, that's a real hot take. I know because it's kind of I, harsh features. Yeah, but I think people like people think he's handsome, right? Am I Brad, I would do you say know? So. People think he's a good looking dude. Yeah, I think so. I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it. It's it's too real or something. It's too sharp. I'm not sure. He's like got some piercing eyes. Sure. I can't I'm trying to picture a date across the table from that dude, which that <laughs> would be wrong for me on a number of levels. But there's just something really bizarre looking about that guy that doesn't sit well with me. I don't know that I love any of his movies, but I am a, a big fan of Unstoppable. Have you no, seen that one? I haven't. Runaway no. Train, him and Denzel. Oh, man. I don't like what the I'm hearing. The last Tony Scott movie. No, I don't like what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, and I'm going to end this on one hot take, though. I, bet, I guarantee you, though, that um, Corey probably likes Unstoppable. I'm sure of it. Oh, I, I bet he does. But here's my hot take. There haven't been a whole lot of people to play Elvis aside from Elvis that are good at playing Elvis, mm-hmm. but I think the best Elvis is Kurt Russell. I agree. Thank you. I, good. I, who else are we missing? So Austin Butler, Kurt Russell. A ton of... Are we counting Bruce Campbell? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, thought I, he was pretty good as old fat Elvis. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's, I think Elvis is a tough one. Part mm-hmm. that's, that's what's so funny is I'm like, okay, part of the reason why you're making this movie, Boz, and part of what you're saying here... <laughs> Is that there's never been anybody before or after Elvis that was Elvis that had that sort of embodied this, whatever this magical thing was. Sure. And, you know, maybe that's because he, you know, I don't know, he's really two people in one, you know, sort of, I don't know. I don't want to say eight because it's a gross way to say it, <laughs> but like eight is twin. I don't know. But, you know, he's like an, a unique being. And so who are who can play him? No one. So maybe don't touch it. Maybe don't touch it. At least, you know, when, when this sort of thing happens, and I felt this way with the Hank Williams movie several years ago, yeah. that at least we won't do it again for a long time. You know, like we're going to leave yeah, Hank lo- alone. So. We're going to leave Elvis alone for a little while. I personally am living every day in fear of the casting for the eventual Bruce Springsteen biopic. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not I, feeling good about this. In the back of my mind, and I, I hope I'm not bringing it into existence by saying it, I'm afraid that Miles Teller Mm-mm. is going to be no. cast as Bruce Springsteen. No, 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 no. Can you kind of see it, though? I see what they're getting at. I don't at. want it, but... I think if you're casting Bruce, you've got to just be going out and finding... Like, think about this, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to... Alex Cox and Sid and Nancy. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so to me, it's like there's, you've got flyers all over London being like, do you think you look like Sid Vicious? You know, do, <laughs> come come audition. It's cold calls. And this is how we have Gary Oldman, basically. Yeah, that was his first role. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I think he was a young guy who wanted to act, but he hadn't really yeah. been in much. But I mean, he's so hungry for this. And he really, I he's mean, fantastic. when you watch Sid, when you watch Sid and Nancy, nobody's pissed about this guy. First of all, I mean, nobody's really pissed about somebody trying to be Sid Vicious. Right. Generally speaking, there's a handful, there's a handful of dudes right now they're like oh, i fucking do but you know what i mean but like gary oldman really kind of is sid vicious yeah. in this thing and i think you've just got to go find the guy bruce springsteen doesn't have i mean it's not elvis right it's uh, he's got his own deal mm-hmm. but he also doesn't have such a fucking unique body and face and and movement 
That's part right? of it, yeah. And so I think you can find somebody who can play Bruce. I hope so. But I don't think it's going to be from the Hollywood roster. I think you've just got to find, like, you've got to find, like, a dude up in Jersey who just fucking, everybody's like, you know who you remind me of? And and right. just put him in in acting courses for two years. Like, that's the thing that has to happen. But One whatever, hope, it but won't. It they're won't. trying to sell them tickets. I know. It won't. So, anyway, this was a very long outro. Oh, my gosh. Thanks to Boutwell Studios. Thank thanks. you. To, thank you, Jeremy. And uh, thank thanks to our listeners. Thanks to Revelator Coffee. You can find us on social media at Sidewalk Film. And SidewalkFest.com is the best place to find out what movies are showing and all kinds of other bullshit. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.